This is the Douglas Robin Show. Welcome to the Den of Discussion. I'm your host, Douglas Robbins. Today we have an author, but with a very interesting story of how her book was written. Uh, Emily Johnson, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So Emily, you wrote a book that's out on Amazon now called Bird of Paradise, but please catch everyone up because it's such a, a, a very touching tale. And this is why I wanted to have you on the show. Sure. Um, so Bird of Paradise is actually first written by my mom. She started it about 17 years ago when she was diagnosed with advanced stage ovarian cancer. Um, and I kind of thought it was a way for her to escape from facing her own mortality. And because um, that type of cancer is not really survivable. And she um, defied the doctor's uh, statistics and she actually survived cancer for about 17 years. Um, and shortly after she passed away in 2012, I found a letter from her with a copy of the unfinished manuscripts. And in the letter, she asked if I would finish the book for her. So I picked it up and read through it, spent about eight years working my way through it. And, um, I finished it for her and it was published March 29th, 2021, which would have been her 71st birthday. Ah, well, it's, it's. First of all, did she write before that or just something, a passion that she had or developed at that time? Uh, she never wrote a fictional uh, book prior to. She was an educator. Um, and after she retired from teaching second and third grade, she went on to work for um, Amer the American Curriculum Development Society, I believe is what it was called. Hmm. So she wrote some nonfiction publications based on curriculum. Yeah. So the story that she wrote... It was, uh, it was set in, in the Amazon or in a jungle? No, it's actually set all over the world. Um, it's set in San Francisco and in Venice. Um, and it's also set on this fictional island. And it's, um, I have no earthly idea where she came up with it. I don't believe it's a real place. I think it's kind of a combination of some of her favorite places, um, the Southeast and Hawaii and St. Um, St. Lucia. And so it's, it's such a big feature in the story that it almost takes on it, uh, like a character itself. So when she was writing this, were you aware that she was writing this? I was. Um, she'd spend hours um, out by a pond on our property um, where she also had the bird of paradise flower with her. And um, I always asked her what it was about. And she always kind of tell me, you'll know about it eventually. And then I'd ask if I could read it. And she said, no, you'll get to read it eventually. Um, which looking back on it kind of leads me to believe she always intended me to finish the story um, mm. from the very beginning. Yeah. Wow. So what that's so interesting that she wouldn't let you read it and basically keeping you out of that world until I guess she, she expected to pass it on to you. Yeah. It's um, I mean, it's quite a gift and, and the book itself follows a young girl over the course of a decade um, kind of as she makes that coming of age transition from being 17 where you're not quite a woman, but you're not a child anymore. And, you know, facing what life brings you and how you make it through that and find that place where you know who you are and you like what you know, and then what opens up to you for your future. And there's a lot of life lessons in it, um, even though it is fictional. And so I think it was kind of her way of putting into words everything that a mother would want to tell a child, but she never knew if she'd be here to tell me that. Um, yeah. You know, I was 15 when she was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. 
I had been 13 when she was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, but that ovarian cancer, I mean, they, she was given a matter of, you know, one to two years at the most to live. Um, and so she wasn't going to get to see those milestones for me. Yeah. Um, you know, with statistically anyways. And wouldn't be able to pass down wisdom and parenting, but my goodness, to to instill it within characters and within a story that she knew she was going to give you, that must have been so powerful after she passed that you now got a chance to look at it and see your mother on every page. Yeah, and it's really through her characters, I can hear her voice. I mean, there's so much of her in the main characters. There's so much of her in the character of the mother. Um, there's a lot of my father built into the characters. And so um, a lot of what happens in it are, are, are fictionalized versions of things that my mom had experienced as a child and a young adult. And, you know, just getting to hear that and to read it, it really helped connect me to my mom much further along than I would have. Um, you know, you're always going to be connected to a loved one, regardless of where they are. But this one was very powerful for me because I felt like it was, I still got to talk to her, even though she was no longer here. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the amazing thing where the essence lives on in the words and in the deeds. And she was on every page. How was it a reading it? It must've, you must've broken down like every time uh, reading it. But... Yeah. There was a lot of tears, um, yeah. many, many tears and it, I read through it multiple times. Um, lots of times I just had to put it down and come back to it weeks later because it was just too you know, raw to really yeah. deal with it. Um, I picked it up, you know, when, when someone passes away, that first few weeks, you're really focused on the business aspect. You've got to call credit card companies and banks and, and deal with, you know, all of that. You know, people are coming over with casseroles and the family is there. So you don't really, it's for me anyways, it was an out of body experience. I did not feel like myself, I was able to almost ignore what had happened. Um, but then you get to that point where people have to go back to their lives. And all of a yeah. sudden you realize there's this massive hole. And that's when I found the letter and I picked it up. And, um, you know, it, it, in a sense, it, it helped in a sense, um, you know, it really made me force me to work through some of that emotion that I had been hiding and trying to to keep yeah. down low, um, you know, cause my, you know, my father, it's just me and my dad, you know, I, I'm an only child. So I really tried to stay strong for him as well. We had to help each other through it. So it provided the release I needed. Um, but it took me a long time to be able to read through everything she had written. Yeah. I mean, and had your dad ever read it? He hadn't ever read it either. And, you know, my mom was so secretive about exactly what it was. I didn't let him read it until I had finished it. Um, he read, uh, it's probably a close to a second draft, but he asked me if he could read it too. And I said, no, not until I'm done. <laughs> All of you were secretive with it. Okay. No. <laughs> so, um, but I think, you know, it was very, very special. And, and then nobody, my grandmother, my mom's mom is still here with us. She's about ready. Oh gosh. I think she's already a hundred. So, oh um, so I let her read an advanced copy of it. Um, not sound Debbie Downer, but I wanted to make sure she was here to read it because yeah. everyone knew about it. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and my grandmother has now outlived her husband and one of her daughters. Um, so I knew it would be, you know, a, a very special thing for my grandmother as well. Um, but other than that, nobody got a chance to read it until it was published. Well, when your grandmother read it, I mean, that must have been so powerful. Again, you know, it's horrible to lose a child. Um, how, how did grandma take, take it? 
Um, you know, I think she lives in San Francisco, so I wasn't there to see it in person, but I can imagine it was very hard for her with a lot of tears. Um, the beginning of this book starts in 1967 in San Francisco, where my mom was living mm -hmm. um, at the age of 17, just like the main character. And there is a lot of detail um, about San Francisco and, and things that they used to do as a family, things we did as a family when we went to visit, all places I recognize, and even down to the names of the streets. So I think it brought a lot of memories back for my grandmother. Um, it's very reminiscent of things. Um, I think a lot of people can probably um, relate to things. Um, and so I think that was probably very hard for my grandmother um, at the time. I think she looks back on it now, though, and now it's more of a gift. Yeah, I would think so. Because it sounds like a fictionalized or fiction with sort of a memoirish background. Yeah. It is. And I mean, there's, you know, the, the, I've said it before on podcasts, but the character of the high school boyfriend is certainly based upon one of mine oh. <laughs> um, or a combination of mine oh that my mom did not like. <laughs> clearly. Okay. And, you know, there's things that happen to her that are in there, um, you know, places we've been as a family. Um, you know, there's, there's little stories about my dad and the character of the young brother, um, which is, you know, sweet because they're funny stories that I've heard before, but are always going to be there. Yeah. And so it's really, it's a, it's a fictionalized story that only people that really knew my mother would recognize this is actually based off of true events. Yeah. How on earth? I mean, you, you, well, first of all, how did you find or this letter you know, was it like some mystery? Did something lead you to, oh my God, I have to open this drawer and there's this letter. How did you lead, get led to the letter and the manuscript? My, well, my mom, um, she knew me very well. She knew that after she passed away, I would go searching for her computer to read the story. Ah, okay. <laughs> I had bugged her about it for years, wanting to read it. And I knew her password. Um, and so the letter and the manuscript were actually under the computer in her closet. Um, so I think she knew just that I was going to go sneak into it and find it. Wow. <laughs> so. That's incredible. You know, yeah. essentially communicating to you, knowing you and leading you to this, this amazing piece, but how, you know, your, your beloved mother writes this story and how on earth do you edit it? <laughs> <laughs> How do you say no, mom, that sentence is too long or whatever. I must have taken you a long time. I know you were a journalism and communications major in school, but that must have been very challenging. It was because my writing style um, as a journalism and communications major is very different. You kind of write what you need to write and you get out of there. You report the facts, you do the taglines, things like that. So there's not a ton of descriptive you know, story within journalistic writing yeah. for the most part anyways. So um, it was my mom's style is very poetic and very, very descriptive. And um, some of the views have said reading, it's like a movie in your mind. Um, and that's just kind of who she was. And because this was her book, I wanted to stay true to her writing style. So I had to adjust my writing style to fit it. Hmm. So kind of what I did once I got to know the characters and know their motivations, um, she left no notes of where she was going to take the book. Um, and I think she did that on purpose. She wanted me to have the freedom to be able to take the story where I wanted to um, and, and hopefully trusted me enough that I would stay true to, you know, her characters and everything. And 
So I wrote it, the first draft of it, you could certainly tell there was two different authors. <laughs> um, yeah. Mine was very just, it was almost compared to her, an outline of the story. And then, um, you know, I had to go back over and over and over again. Um, and I, I've kind of likened it to an oil painting where you just have to add layer and layer and layer upon it until I brought it up to the level of the description of my mom. And I didn't change much of hers. What I ended up changing really was um, where I ended up taking it and where I completed the story arc of the characters. I need to go back and add into the parts of what she wrote, add in um, events, add in some conversations that would then support where it went in the end. And from where she ended, there wasn't an overall theme so much. I think she was laying the foundation for the theme of the book, but hadn't quite gotten there yet. So I had to kind of pick that up, make it my own, and then meld the two parts together. How, how far along in the manuscript was she? <laughs> I'm never going to tell. Is that a loaded question? <laughs> it is a loaded question. Um, you know, she she really, she never did anything unintentionally. So um, I think she really gave me the ability to write, knowing that at that point when I would find this, I would need that way of working through my emotions because I'm kind of a private person despite these podcasts. Um, yeah. She knew that I'd kind of want to sit down and, and work through this all on my own. So I think she really stopped at a particular point. But when, by the time I went back into things she had written to make it, like I said, a whole cohesive story, it was about a 50-50 collaboration. I see in the book, you, you probably made this uh, choice deliberately. Her name is not on the book as a co-writer. It is. Um, oh, it is? Oh, yeah, on the that. cover, it's got both of us. It's got oh, her name okay. first, yeah. Oh, okay. um, I was adamant about that, that her name be on the on the um, first and that her biography and her dedication of the book always go first on everything. Okay. Good, good. Yeah, I, I must have missed that. But um, so that that's so curious because, for instance, when I've written and come back to a piece, sometimes the tone is different. The narrative voice uh, is different or I'm in a different place. So that must have been very challenging trying to honor mom and keep her narration true. But at the same time, you needed to move it forward and, and complete it. Yeah. And, I, you know, and it's it, one thing is that she was got so descriptive. I found I was like, mom, we just got we got to move this forward a little bit. <laughs> so I and that's where I made some adjustments. I never took anything out. I just made adjustments as to what the purpose of this particular part was. If it if it really would move things you know, forward. Um, I did not want to change much of what she had written. There was a reason why she wrote everything. Um, and, you know, I've had people that have completed this in 48 hours and it's a 570 page book. Um, so I do know that it will go forward. Like it's not going to, you know, it doesn't mess you down in concrete or anything like that. But I really, you know, I knew that she took a lot from her own personal emotions, from the things that she had done in life and the things that she had seen in life and, and, you know, those, those inner kind of looking back into yourself. And so I decided, you know, probably the easiest way to go about this once I figured out the storyline was to do the same. Um, it did not take me long to write the actual story of it, um, which was just an outline. I knew exactly where I wanted the book to end. So I wrote that first and then worked my way back to that black and white line. And then went from there to make sure what she had written made sense as to where the story went. 
And then I, I looked back at myself. I looked at emotions I had had, places I had been, events that had happened in my life that I could logically work into the story of these characters, um, just like she did. And that's how it came about. It worked. Um, surprisingly enough, I, I did not set out to do this as a published book. This was strictly for me and for my family. And then it just happened to fall into the hands of a publisher. And all of a sudden it's published. Yeah. Well, that's good because publishing is not always uh, so simple, obviously. No, it's not. I am I am um, eternally grateful to Right Way Publishing <laughs> and what they've done and how they have helped and made this possible. So it's 572 pages, pretty long book. Yes. Um, you got whatever amount of manuscript from mom, which you're not going to reveal, and that's fine. Um, and I think you said it took you about eight years from when yes. you found that. You know, it didn't seem like you had written any novels or stories. So you were a learning how to craft a story arc yes. novel, et cetera, while trying to honor mom's story as well. Yeah, I mean, I had that background of writing, um, you know, from journalism and marketing and things. I, I've written a lot of grants, which are very similar to stories, not to the fictional version. But, yeah. um, you know, you have to tell that story and get the emotion out there that, so that someone will fund that grant. Yeah. Um, so I had that, but in terms of writing a fully fictional story, I'd never done it before in my life. Um, I've always liked to big picture things, um, which is probably why writing it in terms of the content was easier for me than having to go back and, and create a story that was similar to her writing style. Um, but yeah, this was a completely new experience for me. I had no earthly idea what I was doing and I still don't. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, there's an old Somerset mom uh, saying, he said, there are three rules to writing and I don't know what they are. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, I mean, I think it's just come from the heart on something like this. This was, you know, obviously yeah. fictional and nonfiction writing are very different, but this one is just, I didn't write for anybody but myself, um, yeah. for better or for worse. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. And someone said, uh, clearly it got into the, the publisher's hands, but someone said, hey, this needs to get put out there for the world. Yeah, I had someone say, you know, you really should should try and get this published. And so I um, it just all happened by accident that the first first uh, couple chapters ended up in the hands of a publisher and then they reached out to me and said we'd like to publish all of it and we think the backstory to this is incredible yeah. and the story itself is is really well written um and you know I, I think this is something that you need to have put professionally um and so I considered it for a while I was kind of scared to share the story because it meant so much to me and then you have that fear of what if people don't like it sure. um you know but I decided to do it and my goal was if one person that wasn't related to me bought the book then it was a success right um and you know it's it's just it's gone far beyond that which has just been amazing to me well it's such a a lovely story that it was your mother's and passed it to you and you you brought it to fruition um you know everyone has known someone who has died of cancer or suffered. And, and, you know, it's such a lovely way to honor her. Well, and that's kind of, you know, what it, what it is. I mean, I keep a copy of it on my desk just to remind me every day, you know, kind of who she is and the things that she wanted to pass on to me. And, um, you know, I ho hope that she'd be proud of it. Well, she sounded like a, a really incredible woman and, and still seems to be teaching from, 
from beyond. Yeah, she's larger than life. I mean, she and she always will be. She was a force to to be reckoned with. Yeah. So, and it seems like you're going to continue uh, the story, or at least the characters, maybe into another story. I'd love to. Um, I actually want to go back and tell the story of the parents because this family dynamic in the book is so central to it. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of, I, I know enough about the parents to probably go back and backtrack, not in a story as long as this one. I don't think I have that in me. Um, but I do know, I mean, the parents are very much based in terms of how they met and their relationship with one another. I see a lot of my parents in it. So it'll be a way to continue my mom's story and my dad's story. Um, so that's the plan. I don't know if it'll ever happen. I've, I've been very busy lately with, with other things that I need to attend to. So, um, someday. When you, when your dad read the story, it must've blown him away. Yeah, he was, you know, um, at first, you know, when he read it, he's just like, I can't believe your mother came up with this. How did she come up with it? And I said, well, your guess is as good as mine. I have no earthly idea. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, she, he read, you know, what I had written and what he, what I had written at that point was really just, this is the story. There's not any depth to it. There's, I just wanted to, him to read where it was going. And he, read several sections and just commented, you know, wow, I can't believe my little girl is writing about this. Um, and so, and I'm very thankful he did that because they were scenes that um, I found they were ones that were more writing towards an audience, a particular audience and not really true to my mom. Um, there didn't need to be that level of, of, I don't know how to say it, a love scene. <laughs> um, and so that kind of, he, I'm very thankful that he moved me in a different direction because by the time this book ends, it is a romance. And I did want, you know, that, that physical connection between the characters, but my first draft took it too far. Um, and okay. so he kind of banged me back in. So your I'm dad didn't say that in a really that. nice way. No, my dad was kind of like, uh, yeah, we're just, no. <laughs> so, yeah. But um, where, because of that one comment, where the story ended up developing almost brings it into such a, a more deep, rich, passionate romance um, that I am, I'm thrilled. And, you know, for people that like those types of books, there is some in there. <laughs> so we just had to tone it down a little. <laughs> well, I won't ask what you had in there. No, no, my, I don't my think ears won't to know that. Hear it. <laughs> um, well, it's been so nice speaking with you. So, your mother's name was Marilyn, correct? Yes. Marilyn Hughes. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And so, it's Marilyn and Emily Johnson, or Marilyn Hughes is is the name on the book. It's Marilyn Ann Hughes and Emily Hughes Johnson. And the book is Bird of Paradise. Yes. And if people want to find more uh, about Emily, you can find emilyjohnsonwrites.net. Uh-huh. And it's been so such a pleasure. And I'm so glad for you. Thank you. That you were able to bring this into life. That's a lot of work. 572 pages. That's a <laughs> lot of work. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, the longest book I've ever written was 310. I was like, all right, that's long enough. Yeah, this was, yeah, this was um, a labor of love for sure. Yeah. And during the writing period, I switched careers and had a baby. So there wasn't anything going on while I was trying to do this. <laughs> <laughs> right. Life waited. Yes. <laughs> as it will. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. And, and, you know, again, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you. I appreciate it. You have a good day. You too.
Thank you for listening to The Douglas Robbins Show. To find out more about Douglas and his books, check out douglasrobbinsauthor.com.